Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Tuesday the 4th of April. Today I am joined by Duncan Balkan, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi there Duncan, how are you doing today? Hi Peter, I'm very well thank you, how are you? Yeah, good thank you, your voice is coming through nice and clear today. Oh that's good um, to hear. Yeah, good. Absolutely. Um, well, it's even better for me to hear. Uh, uh, anyway, right. So um, I was just going to say, obviously, opening up with um, we, there are a lot of stories in today's um, Watson's edition of Watson's Daily. Um, so excluding the stuff that we're talking about today, uh, um, that Duncan and I are going to be talking about in a minute. Um, there are things uh, very there was a very interesting article uh, in the FT talk, um, doing a side by side comparison between GPT-4 and BARD, which is quite amusing. Um, there is TikTok is under, uh, continues to be under pressure. Uh, you've got um, continued repercussions from the Swiss bank merger, uh, we, which obviously uh, you know Duncan talked about yesterday as well. Um, HSBC facing more heat this time from in Hong Kong. Um, you've got um, NatWest... Uh, limping along and then you've got small um, UK focused brokers Numis and Peel Hunt who are continuing to suffer from the lack of deal flow as are but to be honest all investment banks are pretty much suffering from the lack of deal flow at the moment and that is probably made worse by the recent um, banking shenanigans Um, other than that we've got uh, stuff on um, the big battery Chinese battery company Cattle, uh, C-A-T-L nothing to do with cows um, also Glencore wanting to um, buy out a smaller uh, you know, company because of its um, copper resources and a few other bits and pieces as well so that those are the stories that are in today's um, Watson's Daily, however what are you going to talk about Duncan? Well, yeah, of all that, I've chosen a story from the FT. Um, uh, it's about OPEC, um, yep. OPEC cutting oil output, actually, to be more specific. Yeah. Um, so OPEC is the Organisation of Petroleum Exporting Countries. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's an organisation kind of allegedly, well, it's not, it's set up to enable the cooperation of kind of oil producing companies, uh, countries, sorry, there's 13 of them, I think, mm-hmm. um, to collectively influence the global market base and maximise profit and all that sort of thing. Um, so they're basically, they're cutting oil output um, completely in kind of contrast to what Joe Biden's asked them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this article kind of looks at why. Um, now, the obvious answer is because if you restrict supply, price goes up, mm. um, which is kind of all well and good. I mean, the price of um, a barrel of oil has dropped recently um, when obviously all these banking crises started happening. Um, people tend to get rid of um, what are perceived to be unstable assets or mm. easy to flog assets. And when that happens in bulk, it does tend to hit the price a little bit. Mm. But it's not massive. Do you know what I mean? The oil price hasn't gone that weak. Um, mm. So it was originally kind of hovering around the $80 a barrel mark. The bank mm. shenanigans, I think you've worded it in the, in the day. I like that word, isn't it? Yeah. word, shenanigans. Yeah. Um, has dropped the price down to kind of around 70 a barrel. Um, but actually, it looks like it's recovering again. So it's not like the kind of the price needs to go up quickly or in a big way. Mm. Um, so what I find interesting about this story is actually the, the way the FT looks at it, and I'm inclined to agree 
is that actually this move could be interpreted as more of a power move from mm. some of the bigger members of OPEC, um, mm. so particularly the likes of Saudi Arabia, um, kind of sending a message to Biden and the states that they're not really going to play ball with every demand that comes their way. Um, and I find it interesting as well, because over recent months, we've seen kind of Saudi and the some of the other Arab nations that are quite big oil producers getting mm. a bit closer to Russia and a bit closer to China, um, signing deals on things not specifically related to oil, but signing deals on things that mm. actually makes those three countries or three areas a lot closer together um, mm. politically. And that kind of is quite a power move against anyone that's more aligned with Amer America. Mm. Um, so obviously this story comes with the, the usual things like oil price going up tends to push inflation up. So another kind of angle to it. But um, I personally feel this is more of a, a more like I said, more of a power move on on behalf of some of these countries more than it is about specifically the oil prices. Yeah. Um so yeah, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I mean I, I agree with all that. I, I do think that um, you know, Biden is losing um traction around the world. That's what it seems to me. Uh, mm. as I keep saying, and I know that, you know, by virtue of me saying it a lot, it sounds like I don't mean it, but I really you know, I want Biden to do well, but I just don't think he does. Um, and I think that he's lost. He continues to lo lose credibility around the world. Um, and I, you know, when he asked for, um, you know, Saudi Arabia to put off or yes, yeah, so to delay, um, uh, you know, uh, production cuts last year, but when, when he was ahead of his midterms, um, they said no. And, you know, and most recently, they just seem to be ignoring um, that, you know, they just seem to be ignoring America or Biden anyway. Um, and it seems that there is a big, there is a big power shift, I think, going on in the world at the moment where you've got, it seems to me, um, Russia, China and the Middle East getting closer together. And I would think you could put Africa in that as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that, um, that actually, the only way that I mean, I don't, I don't, I think that the U.S. and Europe um, have lost uh, in that battle for hearts and minds, as it were, in Africa and in um, uh, uh, and in in um, uh, in the Middle East uh, potentially. Um, and so, I think the only way to combat that may be to try to increase efforts um, to India. Because there is a lot of growth potential in India. Um, the other thing that's handy uh, about India is that India and China do not get on very well. Um, and so maybe um, this could open the door to, um, you know, to, uh, to, other, uh, to others like US, Europe, um, etc. So um, I think that plus sort of um, Asia x China maybe because yeah. you would have thought that um, countries in the region will be hugely overshadowed by China uh, and so therefore would be more willing um, to go with uh, a a group like a you know kind of global grouping that doesn't involve China so I think that that would be something and I, it looks to me like there is more of this kind of thing going on. I mean, it's interesting, you know, obviously last week uh, we were talking about the CPTPP um, and the fact that China is actually has applied. 
Mm. I mean, if China gets in, what's that going to mean? You know, is that going to put the existing smaller uh, Asian countries who are members, will that get, is that going to put them in a difficult position? Well, I you mean, know? you're going to struggle if you're another Asian country to outshine China in any of those sort of yeah. uh, marketplaces, are you? just because of the sheer size and production um, yeah. um, quantities that China has. Mm. Uh, that's interesting. I think the other thing is that are interesting with Biden losing traction in mm. a lot of these places is actually much as I'm not for a second saying Donald Trump ever did anything I approve of. Uh-huh. But generally, when he went abroad to try and make deals, they tended to come off. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. it's a case of, well, obviously, like I said, Biden's losing traction, but mm. you, you don't, obviously you don't want someone with the ideologies, I think, that Trump had, but you need someone, I think, more with the charisma and ability to do deals, yeah. fronting up those negotiations, I think. And like I said, in, in India seems to be the, the one to go for. Yeah. Um, for, for yeah, I agree with all the reasons you said why that is. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's just my, it's just an opinion. I don't know, you know, in in depth, but that's just how it feels to me. You mm. know, looking at things at the moment and the way um, support has split for, say, uh, you know, uh, the Ukraine war, for instance. Yeah. So yeah, so I, I don't know. We we shall we shall see. Um, but um, but yeah, I think that. Uh, this is about more than just putting the oil price up. I think it sends a message. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely more of a, kind of a global power. I won't, don't want to say struggle, but like I said, positioning more, more than mm. the, uh, the actual price, I think. Yes. But yeah, uh, that was... oh, hope, ho- hopefully this isn't the <laughs> shifting of the chairs on the Titanic. I, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just a shifting, shifting around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, that was my, my favourite story out of Watson's Daily this morning. Uh, what yeah. was yours, Peter? So um, I thought I would talk about AI. And um, just before anyone kind of, you know, switches off thinking, oh, my God, he's talking about AI again. Um, <laughs> it's just I really I feel quite strongly about this, right? Because um, I may have I may have mentioned this. I'm not quite sure. I mentioned so much stuff to so many people all the time. So forgive me if I'm um, repeat, but I don't think I'm repeating myself. But um, there was an interesting article in the Financial Times about universities um, expressing doubts about a, um, a new kind of tool that's available from an existing plagiarism software called Turnitin. Um, Great name for a company. It is, <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. Um, so uh, they they've got a tool that that says that it can it it can um, detect the use of AI with a ninety eight percent hit rate. Now, some institutions have already said no, thank you, that's not for us. Um, but I would argue that the the advent of AI this changes the whole way that you assess people's knowledge, your students' mm. knowledge. I do not think you can anymore um, submit dissertations, projects, anything that's written um, outside of supervision. It just can't be done um, because I, again, maybe this is being a bit defeatist, um, but I really believe that um, that you, that uh, AI will move faster than AI detection, and so I I think that what we're going to have to do is to alter the way that we assess um, students' knowledge and ability. And I would suggest that, first of all, all essays would need to be written under exam conditions. So you're in a room and and you're, you know, with an invigilator and everything's quiet. You've got no access to anything. 
you do everything by hand you know you do you actually do your hand yeah write everything by hand um i also think that there needs to be uh well also another another good way is multiple choice because i think you know they can they are depending on, on how you structure it they can also be a very good indicator on how well someone knows certain things mm. and then the final element would be i'd say a, something where you are talking um to someone um a, in a kind of interview type situation i think that would be also a good idea um to gauge to gauge someone's um to gauge someone's ability so in short i think that the whole education system from secondary upwards has to change um and uh, as a result of ai and i think it can do that quickly whereas you know developing the software to go from 98 percent hit rate to 100 percent it's going to take some time and it's going to take a lot of money hmm. um and it still it's going to keep keep doing that um so i i really i think it's going to have to go old school is my is my thoughts and if it does then obviously it'd be an even better reason for teachers to uh, get a pay rise because they're going to have to do more work it's going to take longer because they're looking at um you know they're looking at handwriting and things like that so anyway i would be very interested to know how uh, education systems are going to change to take take this all into account um because it really is yeah, it's fascinating it's fascinating but scary at the same time mm. but it's not insurmountable you know if you go back to old ways that's certainly good you know for i think that would be good anyway um who knows maybe it'll improve everyone's handwriting perhaps i don't know but uh <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a nice thing i'm not sure you're to... noticing people it seems to be getting worse and worse well you know <laughs> the actually... more we rely on computers yeah, you know, um, sort of a fun fact um, about me uh, for a change um, is um, <laughs> I think I was 12 or 13, I think. Um, so anyway, at school I was at, my history teacher, he, they um, we, we had to write uh, this, um, you know, do a project. And I did a project on Japan. Mm. Um, and he said, look, content's good. But he said, your handwriting is just really difficult to read. He said, you need to change your handwriting because otherwise you're going to go to an exam and they're not going to be able to read what you say. And therefore, you're not going to get any marks or you're going to get way lower than you should. So I suggest you change your handwriting. So I did. <laughs> um, I changed it completely and, um, and, you know, to make it so that it was easier to read. So it's quite funny. Um, you know, I did that and it did help. And yeah so it is it is possible to change your handwriting if it's if it's deemed to be it was very sort of thin and spidery my my um my handwriting um, spidery. yeah <laughs> thin and spidery so so yeah so um no i i went, went from that to to the um to what i do now so um yeah so anyway i think that people are, yeah maybe they're you know, handwriting's going to have to get... Although handwriting recognition technology is, is pretty good these days, so... Yeah. Um, so, yes, I mean, that might that might help things, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you on... <laughs> going back to the, the story itself, uh, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you because, like I said, 98% sounds really good, but actually, mm. in this particular kind of realm, no, even 99.9% .9 isn't good enough. When yep. you think about particularly university level, 
the yeah. repercussions for someone being falsely accused of plagiarizing yeah. are yeah. huge. Yeah. So, and I agree, I don't think you're ever going to hit 100% because there is no way in my head a detection software can outpace the, the original software itself because the new, the original software, the AI is going to come up with new things all the time. And mm. I think the detection software is always going to be playing catch up to a certain mm. extent. So, yeah. like I said, I think 100% hit rate is never going to happen. No. So, uh, like I said, with the repercussions for someone that gets falsely accused of plagiarizing, um, imagine it's your dissertation. That's going to ruin your entire career, isn't it? You're going exactly. to be trying to explain that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and that leads you to, like I said, other other ways of examining. Kind of, mm. it, I think always it's going to have to be, like I said, exam conditions. I quite like the idea of doing kind of verbal assessment, although it's more labour intensive for the person I think doing the assessment. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, but with you doing a presentation or or something to um, to an expert in the field, if you're looking at university level, even if you used AI to write the script for your presentation, that expert is going to know whether you know what you're talking about within yeah. the questions of the Q and A mm. part of it. Yeah. So it kind of removes the incentive, I think, for people to use AI because you're going to get found out pretty quickly. Mm. And then, like I said, that then leads down the rabbit holes of, well, if everything's going to be basically an exam rather than coursework, you're going to have to restructure the whole education system because mm. some students naturally excel in exams, some naturally excel through coursework. And you can't leave the whole system, I think, um, skewed mm. in favour of those that, that do well in exams. And like I said, with any sort of rebuilding of the education system like that, what you're looking at is probably more work for the people involved or different mm. work for the people involved. Mm. And I would agree. I would say, I mean, I think it's justified already. I think teachers deserve a massive pay rise. Mm. But um, I would say after all that, like I said, there is no argument there. Like you have to pay people that are providing education so mm. better yeah. because yeah. as all this technology advances, their their job is going to become more complex, more mm. I would imagine more time consuming, or they have to take on new skills just to get it done. Mm. So I, I agree. I think we need I think a rebuilding of the way we do education and particularly examining of knowledge. Yeah, um, because I, I agree. There's no. I don't think there's any way this detection software can keep up no. with the different ways AI will be able to write content. Yeah. I mean, I'll put it this way, right? I was just thinking then, um, this will take away the joy. And I use the word joy lightly here. Mm. Um, <laughs> that if you worked your butt off to really do a brilliant piece of work, right? Yeah. You hand it in thinking, how do you like you? Know, how do you like them apples? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I, that. I have definitely done really well there. Yeah, right. You will be denied that feeling because you will hand it in and you'll think, "I know that I've done that work, and everyone else knows I've done that work, but it's got to go through this software, so I'm not going to get too, uh, too sort of excited." in case it comes back um, at saying I've got, you know, I've used AI, you know, because well, you... if you write something that's so good, the software assumes it has to be AI generated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, so, I mean, I, I, I think that um, it just needs, yeah, it, it cannot, it cannot work. It, I mean, I'm sure everyone will try it and I'm sure to uh, turn it in, of course, we'll say, Oh no, you definitely want to use this. Um, but I think as an institution, if I was an institution, I would say no, no use, no use of this. Um, I think software. it's interesting, by the way, that one of the first institutions that said no was Cambridge. Yeah, 
yeah. <laughs> which I think tells you kind of the, the higher end of instantly gone, nope, not a chance. Yeah, yeah. Mind you though, I don't know I don't know whether Cardiff was in that. I mean, because obviously Cardiff University is even better than Cambridge, I hear. And the only reason why I say that just before anyone starts getting a bit funny is because I went to Cardiff University. So there you go. But still uh, two pretty prestigious universities have just <laughs> almost instantly and gone, no, not a chance with using that. Like we Trust uh, the professionals to do the, to do their job. And, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I, anyway. I think that, that that speaks yeah volumes into yeah. those sort of institutions are straight away saying no, this is not something we're interested in. Yeah. But there you go. I mean, I'm sure that this is a debate that will be range, raging around all schools, unis, colleges, everything. You know, this will have especially since all the hype has really built up, especially this year. Hmm. Um, and you know, you get things like, oh, the, the AI took the bar exam and did really well and, or, you know, took an MBA and all those kinds of things is that this definitely won't have, um, uh, uh, you know, gone by unnoticed by those hmm. in education. So, uh, anyway, so I think we'll, we'll stop there, um, for, for the moment. Um, <laughs> But um, but yeah, um, thank you very much indeed for your uh, for your thoughts today, Duncan. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Um, and thank you very much for listeners, as always, for spending the time to listen to us. Um, and uh, hope you find it useful. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Oh, by the way, I've got to say sorry to anyone who gets Watson's Daily today. My Watson's, Watson's Daily was out incredibly late today, and the reason is. Because I had no internet. Virgin Media, which is what I use, um, had outage. Oh, we're naming and, and shaming as well, blimey. <laughs> yeah, and I had an outage. And basically, I was not able to even start writing until 8.30 this morning. So um, so apologies for if it was late and you thought, where is it? Um, but that is the reason. I, it was quite, uh, quite stressful. Uh, but so I'm, I'm now relaxing, you see talking to duncan right so <laughs> i mean talking to duncan is definitely a thing that most people should do um as a as a you know way of relaxation so you know there you go um anyway thank you very much indeed have a great day we'll be back again tomorrow many thanks That's bye lovely. bye